This is my Bible. There we go. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our Creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me your word. Amen. All right, let's uh, bow and pray before this uh, speaking engagement. So let's bow our heads real quick. Dear God, we thank you. God, we ask that you would touch the ears of the listeners as well as the speaker. God, let us work in concert to hear the message that you have for us, both in the building as well as online. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we started a series last week, talked about healthy church, but this week we have a specific assignment to teach in that process. So we're going to keep staying with the idea of healthy church the title will always be that, but just know that's the series. The series is going to be Healthy Church. So today we're going to talk about, and we're going to make it a little more individual, we're going to talk about healthy self. Yes. Somebody say healthy self. Healthy self. And so normally when we're talking in a church setting, we're not talking about individual because we don't ever want to train you to be selfish. But how many know you can't have a collective healthy church if we don't have individual healthy people? And when, when I'm talking about health, I'm not really talking about physical health, even though that's a part of it. I'm talking mainly about our spiritual health because our spiritual health is important to us building and creating a healthy church or a healthy space where people can come because there's a lot of trauma in the church. And people come to church to be healed and they end up getting trauma because there's a lot of unhealed, unhealthy people in the pews. And so we're trying to work through that. All right. So having said that, we're going to be in uh, John chapter five. So the first point I want to make is that healthy self equals something else. Healthy self actually equals heal thyself. Heal thyself. So healthy self also means heal thyself. Somebody say heal thyself. Heal thyself. So this is another thing that's a little bit confusing in the sense that normally we wouldn't be talking about you healing yourself. Because if you could heal yourself, you wouldn't need the house of God if you could heal yourself. But there's a point that I'm making and that I'm going to bring it home in just a second as we read the verses but I want you to look at healthy self as the ability to heal thyself. All right, let's put our first scripture up. Mother Mitchell, would you read that? After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. All right, let's go to the uh, next verse. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Hey, man, we got a lot of saints that go to the rooftop, and they go to the rooftop to have a good time. But in this case, the rooftop is a bunch of sick folk on the rooftop. They weren't partying. They weren't having a good time. They were sick. And so uh, we, we, let's go to this next point here. Unhealthy is personal, but it's popular. And what I mean by that, I'm not saying that it's the end thing to do, but I'm saying is even though unhealthy can be personal and individual, there's a lot of unhealthy folk. So you're not the only one. That's the beauty about being able to come to the house of God is you're not the only one that's sick. And I'm talking about spiritually sick, not just naturally sick. You're not the only one that has issues. 
One of my friends says it this way, a preacher friend says, we all got issues in our tissues. In other words, we all got something going on. My thing may not be your thing. Your thing may not be my thing. But at the end of the day, we all unhealthy in some way. We all have some type of issue that we're working through. So it's personal. It's individual. But it's okay to come with collective believers because you know, I'm not the only one that lusts. I'm not the only one that gets angry. I'm not the only one that's grieving. I'm not the only one who's stressed out. I'm not the only one who's depressed. I'm not the only sick person. We are sick together. And that, that, that makes it feel a little better unless you got folk who are faking the funk. And you make me feel like I'm the only one. I don't like to be in a church where you make me feel like I'm the only one that done ever messed up. I'm the only one that done ever cussed. I'm the only one that ever drank too much. I, I don't want to be in a church where I'm the only one. Give me some people that know what it's like to be sick. And that's the type of ministry we're building at Deliverance Temple. A person may not be sick right now, but they're, no, they're not so far removed from it that they can't understand what it's like for someone else. So unhealthy is personal, but it's popular because we've all been through it. All right, let's go to the next verse. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Now, the story said he had been sick for 38 years. And Jesus asked the question, do you want to be healed? Seemingly, all these people were sick and they were all there together because they believed they could get healing. So that seems to be an odd question to ask this man, do you want to be healed? Let's go to the next verse. Oh, excuse me. Let, let, let's back up. What you want is more important than where you are. So you may currently be sick, but if you want to be healed, what you want is more important than where you are. Somebody say that. Say, what I want, what I want is more important, is more important than, where than where I am. If you want to be healed, that's more important than the fact that you're sick right now. If you want to be wealthy, that's more important than the fact that you're broke right now. So your desire is more important than your current circumstance. So never look at your current circumstance and assume that Jesus doesn't care because Jesus asked the question. Even after 38 years, Jesus asked the question, do you want to be healed? And he's still asking us that question, do you want it? And sometimes we're saying, yeah, I want it, but I wish you would just snap your fingers and give it to me. I wish you wouldn't make it so difficult. But but it's okay because the problem is we got a problem. We have an issue. Jesus has a solution. But the fact that he's asking us what we want lets us know he's close to our solution. He's close to our problem and he's close to bringing the solution. All right, we're going to go to that verse now. The sick man answered him. Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. So he had a problem. They, they would go and, and, and the angels would trouble the water. But the first person that got in the water would receive healing. And so he's saying it's troublesome because I don't always get there first. And so let's bring this point up here. It's hard to see other people get the healing you need. Let's be honest. We all sick together, but it's hard when you see somebody else get what you need. Because what you wonder is, is there enough left over for me? In other words, let's say these three rows, we all broke. That row over there, they get blessed. We happy that they get blessed, but the problem is we still broke. So sometimes it's hard to see other people get what you need. And so you have to be careful not to get envious and jealous and be mad at the folk over there and understand that, God, if you're blessing them, it's a possibility you're going to bless me. But we can be honest, it's difficult to see other people get what you need. 
So the man says, I've been here for 38 years, but the problem is everybody else is getting what I need. I'm trying not to be mad at them, but it's a little difficult because I can't get what I want when there's so many people in front of me. You know, there's times you go some a place and you want something, but you leave because the line is too long. I want it, but I'm so far in the back, I don't want to wait. And what I'm trying to get you to understand is this person had been in this situation for 38 years. That's a long time. That's older than some of us are right now. But that's a long, protracted time. But he was still trying. But Jesus showed up. All right, let's go to the verse now. Next verse. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. It's an odd request for him to say because he had been here all this time trying to get healed. If he could have healed himself, he would have done it by now. So let's put this point up, what Jesus was actually saying to him. Jesus was basically saying, heal yourself. Now, this is interesting. I, I want to be healed. Everybody else gets in front of me, and Jesus shows up and says, heal yourself. Well, Jesus, if I could heal myself, I would have done it. If I could have fixed my issues, I would have done it. So here's the point we're making. Let's put this point up. What Jesus was saying is, as long as I'm here, Jesus, no matter how long you've been unhealthy, and no matter how long the line is in front of you, I'm empowering you to be here. So here's the issue before was the healing was a part from the presence of Jesus. In other words, the healing was troubled by the angels and they had to just get in the pool and get touched. And the first one that got in got the blessing. But when Jesus showed up, Jesus said, I'm changing the structure of the rules. As long as you have a personal relationship with me, if you have a personal problem, no matter who's getting in front of you, I can still help you and empower you to heal yourself. In other words, if you come to the house of God and there's people at the altar and they're being prayed for and somehow the pastor doesn't touch you and you walk out the doors and you're feeling sad because the pastor didn't touch you, Jesus would say, you don't need the pastor because I got in the car with you and I'll ride home with you. And even though the anointing oil is good and the hands laid on is good, you don't really need that because as long as you got me, I will empower you to heal. Heal yourself. Let me uh, pause and make this really, really clear. Many of my blessings came outside the four walls of the building. I got blessed, like John P. Key said, in the basement. I got blessed on my job. I got blessed driving down the highway. It don't all happen in the building, but as long as you got Jesus, you can heal yourself because he will always be with you to empower you. So it's okay that somebody else got got, uh, what I need. It's okay that that role got the blessing first. And we still broke right now because we're not going to be broke forever. So guess what? What we're going to do, we're going to praise God for them because my day is coming. I can't figure out when, but my day is coming because Jesus is still with me. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to be grateful and I'm going to be thankful and I'm going to yet be believing. And in the process, what's going to be happening, uh, happening is I'm going to be healing myself. All right. Healthy self or heal thyself. Somebody say that with me. Say healthy self. Healthy self. Heal thyself. Heal thyself. All right, let's, let's continue. Read, read, go, go backwards and read that. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. At once the man was healed. So Jesus is empowering him to be healed. He was healed at once. Let's go to this point here. Empowering can mean at once or it can mean 
a process. In most cases, especially when you're dealing with spiritual health, it means a process. And so don't be afraid when it's a process and it's not all at once. And don't get envious when someone else gets it at once and you still have a process. See, your trauma and my trauma may be different. So my trauma can maybe can be healed at once and your trauma may take a process. But either way, at the end, we both are going to get healing. So don't be ashamed of the process. If if you've been in it a long time, you may not come out of it overnight. But you can still be in the process of healing yourself. And here's, and this is not in the notes, but let me add this in. One of the ways you heal yourself is ways that people say is crazy. But let me prove it to you. One of the ways you heal yourself is to talk to yourself. Now, people say, you talk to yourself, you're crazy. I say, if you don't talk to yourself, you're crazy. Sometimes you have to talk to yourself in order to heal yourself. Let me, let me give you, give you an example. I, I had been married maybe, maybe two years at the most. And I was in LS Airs. Y'all remember LS Airs? I was in LS Airs and I was walking from the back of LS Airs out to the front to go into the mall. And you know, there used to be there, they used to have in that front entrance, they used to have perfumes, both male and female. I walked from the back to the front and I smelled the perfume of an old girlfriend. Now, I'm married now, two years in, but something about that smell made me wonder, I wonder what she doing. I wonder where she is. I wonder who she with. And then I had to stop myself and talk to myself and say, no, don't you even think about that because you married now. So walk on out the mall and forget about what your mind is trying to do because I was trying to be triggered in an old place even though I was in a new environment. I was newly married, but my mind was trying to take me to an old place. And so I had to talk to myself to heal myself. And if I didn't talk to myself, I don't know how long the smell would have triggered me. And I don't know what I would have done. I don't know who I would have called. I don't know how my wife would have slapped me in the face because I didn't take the time to heal myself. So also what you need to understand is nature and life is talking to you. And so you got to talk to you too. It's talking to you to keep you in bondage. It's talking to you to keep you in trauma. So you got to talk to you to heal yourself. No, I'm not going there today. No, I'm not crying right now. I may cry later, but right now I'm not going to cry. You, you, let, let me talk to you women for a second. Sometimes you own your job and they've been making stuff hard for you on your job. And they do something purposely just to get at you. And you can feel the tears getting ready to jump out your eyes. And you tell yourself, I'm not crying right now. I'll go in the bathroom and cry, but I'm not going to let them see me cry right now. I'm talking to myself. Self, you hold them tears back. I don't want them to think they're getting to me, even though they're getting to me. But I'm pulling myself together. I'm talking to myself. I may cry in my car. I may cry when I get home. But right now, I'm smiling. You're not running me off this job. You're not going to fire me and make me do something stupid. Because in order to heal myself, I got to talk to myself. Same thing with us men. Sometimes... We want to do something that will jeopardize our whole job. I'm going to punch him in the face. Well, you can't punch him in the face and pay your bills. You need this job. So you got to hold your fist where you can. You got to talk to yourself and say, yes, he need punching, but I can't do it right now. I hope somebody punch him outside of here for me, but I can't do it because I got bills to pay. So I got to talk to myself so I can heal myself. Now, when I say talk, you don't always have to talk out loud, and sometimes you do. But you have to minister to yourself in order to have the healthy self 
or to heal thyself. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, let's let's uh, move forward. Read that for me. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is a Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. Now, this man had been sick for 38 years. He finally gets some healing, and he gets his healing all at once. And you would think everybody would be extremely happy for him. But let's put this point up here. People, specifically religious people, don't mind your healing until it violates their agendas. I don't mind you getting married until you get married in front of me. I don't mind you having a Mercedes Benz until you get one that look like what I want. Then all of a sudden, well, she ain't all that. And I don't think she probably, she probably went to the casino and why, why we gotta make up a whole bunch of, maybe, maybe she just got something. Maybe he just got something. But religious folk, Folk who are stuck up in their ways, their rules, you gotta do it the way they prescribe. You, you gotta do it. Your, let me see if I can give you an example. Okay. You, you've been struggling with an issue. You've been coming to Deliverance Temple for five years and you haven't broken all the way through, but you've been coming. You've been trying. You've been trying to heal thyself. And then somehow there is a revival at True Vine. You go to the revival at True Vine and you get delivered at once. And because I'm your pastor, I'm mad at you because you didn't get deliverance in the five years under my ministry. And you went over there and got delivered. And now I'm, now I'm mad at the slosses because you got delivered over there. No, I don't care how you got delivered. I don't care where you got delivered. I'm just glad you got delivered. Because we're all working together. So if you get delivered over there, it's going to bless me over here. So thank God, Slosses, for preaching the deliverance that broke through for you. But not everybody like that. You got to do it the way my church say. You got to be baptized the way I was taught. You got to speak the way I spoke. But guess what? This is a dying, hurting world. I don't care if you get it from the Catholics. I don't care if you get it from the Methodists. I don't care if you get it from the Amish. I don't care how you get it. I'm just glad you gone. I feel like Aletha Adams, you can meet me by trailway. You can meet me by railway. I don't care how you get there, but get there if you can. But these religious folks said, you can't be healed on the Sabbath day. All right, let's, let's, let's go further. Let's read some more. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus. Now, the Jews or these Jews, these religious folk, they were persecuting Jesus because he was healing folk. And he was healing folk outside of their box. And what the man said, and I skipped a few verses because they were asking who did it. And the man said, I don't even know who did this for me because he didn't know who Jesus was at the time. But once he realized, he began to say, Jesus did it. And so they persecuted Jesus because of what he done. And this is something I want to throw in on you for you to understand. Some people are going to wonder how you did it. How'd you get this? How'd you get that? You don't, you don't have no degree. How'd you start a business without a degree? Jesus did it. How'd you get over that trauma? Jesus did it. Well, stop being so deep. Tell me how. I don't really know how. All I know, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Jesus did it. And so when he said Jesus did it, they got mad at Jesus and they began to persecute him. So when Jesus was persecuted, it wasn't because he was doing anything wrong. He was doing everything right. And let me add this to you. Sometimes when you're doing everything right and you start healing yourself, folk get mad. You would think they would be happy, but they get mad because they don't, they, they like to, here, here's a better way I can explain. I'm trying to figure out a good word to say, but let me just say it this way. Some people, they don't mind you getting healed unless your healing is tied to their control. See, some people are what we call enablers. 
And as long as you are dependent on them, they like being in your life. But the moment you be, become stable and independent and no longer depending on them, some of them don't like it because it takes them outside of the control. See, as long as you're depending on me, I can pull the manipulation strings to do have you do what I want you to do. But when you no longer need me, I don't know what to do. Let, let, let me let me pause and throw this in. Sometimes you parents, once your children start getting older and growner, you still want to control the strings because you carry them for nine months or you raise them for 18 years. But at some point, they need to become independent. And as long as you're always controlling things, they can never really grow. And sometimes when they break free of that, you get mad at them. I ain't talking about y'all. I'm talking about folk out there. But but some people, they, they get mad at your healing because they can't control it. As long as I'm loaning you money, then I can, when I say jump, I want you to say how high. But when you no longer need my money and no longer jump when I want you to jump, now our relationship is strained because we weren't in real relationship. We were in control. Some of y'all are not in relationships. You are in manipulationships. And as long as that man can manipulate you, he got you on the string. But once you realize Jesus did it and I can do bad by myself and you want to move on, you, you'll find out how the man acts. I don't know why I'm going here, but let me throw this in for a second. As a counselor, it's always confused me how the man can cheat 12 times and want her to take him back. And she decide, I'm going to cheat one time, and he lose his mind. What's good for the goose should be good for the gander. But the problem is, as long as he was cheating, he was in control. Because when he was cheating, the woman was running around, chasing him down and, and begging him to come back. But the moment she got some gumption and a backbone and said, I can do better, he lose his mind. And sometimes he needs to be lost because you don't need nobody who's taking advantage of you and manipulating you so that you stick around. Oh, hallelujah. Let me get on off of that. Amen. Uh, uh, I'm about, about to sound like Tyler Perry. You know, in Tyler Perry, all the men is bad in some of his movies. So let me, let me move on. But, but understand when you're being manipulated and controlled. That was going on. All right, let's, let's continue. Because he was doing these things on the Sabbath, but Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. Now, Jesus gave them a, a uh, something to take with them. Basically, he was saying, this ain't got nothing to do with y'all. This ain't got nothing to do about y'all. This is about me and my father. I need you to understand, some of your personal healing ain't got nothing. I know that's not good grammar, but let me say it this way. Ain't got nothing to do with nobody else. This is between you, Jesus, and the Father. And because the Father said, it's your turn, and it's your time, and your time is now, I don't care who else don't like it, they can't stop it. Because what God has for you, it is for you. And it, it may not have been in your timing, but it's in his timing. And when it's in his timing, it blows everybody's mind. But I hope you don't feel like you got to explain to everybody why you're walking in what you're walking. Baby, I've been in this 38 years. I ain't explaining to nobody. I done come out. I done come through. And I don't care who don't like it. I ain't talking about it. This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. If you don't like it, I'm sorry for you. If if me being healed stops your control, I'm sorry for you. I got to do what is based on me, my father, and my big brother, Jesus. Yes. All right, let's, let's go to uh, this point here. Because now I'm about to, about to turn it. The church is supposed to reflect the working of the father through Jesus. Mm. 
I like that. Let me say that again. The church is supposed to reflect the working of the Father through Jesus. Okay, so I told you we were in a series about healthy church. Then all of a sudden, I come over here and start talking about individual. I start stop talking about the collective and start talking about your individual self, the healthy self, or heal thyself. And so how does that make sense? Because what does, what does the church have to do with that? Well, the church is supposed to reflect that connection. All right, so in order to do that, and I'm actually close to closing, but in order to do that, I need to give us a little theology lesson. Let's, let's uh, go again. The healing of you is not about you. It's an advertisement of God's work through Christ. So it's real, even though it's individual, it's really not about you. I told you before, it's so that you can be a walking billboard for God and for God's work through Christ. So what you've gone through and what you've experienced, it was to you, but it really wasn't for you. Many times you go through things that were for other people. And so I want to add something to this conversation. So let's go over again and put this up. So if the healing wasn't about you, the sickness certainly can't be about you either. All right, let me, let me explain this. So here's the, the, the problem and the benefit. The benefit is we know that we need to work on ourselves. We need to have a healthy self. We need to heal ourselves. The problem with that is when you see yourself, what you realize is, or sometimes the devil tells you is, I'm jacked up more than everybody else. Yeah, me and Joyce, we both have trauma, but she seemed to be much further ahead than I am. I wish I was as sanctified as her. I wish my Holy Ghost run as deep as her. And so it's what happens is when you begin to work on you, you see all of you, and sometimes it makes you feel like, I might be the worst one here. I, maybe I'm the one that's dragging Deliverance Temple down. I know we all got issues, but since I've been really, really digging with my personal issues, whew, I'm, I'm concerned. But here's the thing. If the healing isn't about you, the sickness isn't about you either. Because the healing is really for someone else. And so the sickness is really about someone else. So what you got to learn how to do is take all your mistakes, all your mess ups, all your junk and say, you know what? This really ain't about me. Because God, as powerful as he is, if he wanted to, he could have stopped anything in my life. So since he allowed it, maybe there's a greater purpose. Let me go back to the the, uh, example of the woman who's been with the man, he's cheated all the relationship. And she finally moves on. And when she moves on and starts working on herself, one thing she thinks, man, I was dumb. I was dumb to waste so many years of my life. And sometimes they start feeling bad, especially if they're older in life. Because they think, man, here I am, 55. And I gave that joker 25 years of my life. I met him when I was 30. I finally got rid of him at 55. He done wasted 25 years of my life. And they start feeling bad until they bump into a, a girl who's 39 and in a relationship now and ask her for advice. Then you realize, oh, see, what I went through wasn't just about me. I can reach back and help that other 30-year-old girl not do what I did. And so the sickness wasn't really about me. Now, of course, we can make it introspective or we can look and say, you know what? I'm going to use this to heal other folk. I'm going to tell folk what I went through. I'm going to tell folk how hard it was so I can heal somebody else. Your babies and your grandbabies are going to skip things because you're going to tell them this is what it was like for me. And what you're going to do is what we call redemption. You're going to redeem your story. There's parts of our story we don't want to tell in church, and you shouldn't. Some of the stuff you need to keep it hidden. You don't need to tell everybody. Not in the open church setting. 
But in a private setting, I can open up and say, baby, this is where I was. This is how far I was addicted. This is how messed up I was. But one day, even though I had been there for 38 years, Jesus came to town and showed up in my life. And now I'm better than I've ever been. And all I want to do is tell you, hold on, baby girl. Tell you, hold on, sister girl. Hold on, brother man. Hold on, deacon man. God can see you through too. So the healing really isn't about you, but the sickness isn't either. So it's it's personal, it's individual, but it actually benefits everyone else. All right, let's 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 go to the next one. Read that for me. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? That he was born blind. So we're leaving John 5 and we're jumping over to John 9 real quick just to paint the picture that I just uh, shared with you. So there's a blind man that was born blind. So the question was, who sinned? Did he sin or did his parents sin? Why did he end up this way? And then let's, let's give the answer that Jesus said. Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him. It didn't have nothing to do with nobody else except for I just wanted the works of God to be displayed in him. I need you to understand that sometimes it's hard to take, but sometimes what you've been through is so that God's work can be seen. And so don't throw away everything you've been through because God is yet working and he's using you as a uh, as a digital billboard to show what he can do. It's so bad right now, but in a few years, somebody going to look at you and they're going to look at you and they're going to say, I know you couldn't have done this. I know you couldn't have come out of this. I know it couldn't have been nobody but God. And you're going to say, yes, 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 yes. I'm like Superman. I got an S on my chest, but instead of an S, I got a G to say it was all God. When I opened up my suit, I got a J that says it was all Jesus. I couldn't have come through this far. I couldn't have made it this far. I couldn't have kept my mind together. I couldn't have kept my job. I couldn't have kept my house. But it was the Lord, and I'm so grateful. It didn't have anything to do with me. It's so that the work of God can be seen in each one of us. Yeah. All right, we got a picture I want to put up. This is a quick theological thing I want to throw out. This is called the doctrine of the works of God. You can't see the the bottom uh, points, but I'll just explain them to you real quick. One, the first circle is for creation. The second circle is for providence, and the third circle is for covenant. Now, this is if those things branch off really deeply, and if you want to study it, I can show you where, where to get to it. But I'll summarize it real quick. In summary, the first one is creation, which is ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. So God creates everything out of nothing. And then the next one is providence, which means God has to figure out a way to be above the creation and in the creation at the same time. He transcends the thing he created, but he also has to step in and work with the thing he created at the same time. So he creates it out of nothing, brings it into something. He exists above it and he exists in it at the same time. So sometimes when God won't tell you what he's doing is because he's not functioning inside of it. He's functioning above it and he sees the big picture and all you can see is the little part. Let me give you an example. Right now, as far as I can see, if I look out these doors, as far as I can see is that structure building, our old fellowship hall. That's as far as I can see. But if somebody got a drone and took up high, I can see all of Muncie in one shot because the higher you go up, the more uh, definition and the wider the vision is. So what we have to understand is God is in it, but he also sits above it. So he sees everything. And sometimes we wonder, God, why would you allow? And he never answers us because he can't answer us in it. He has to answer us above it. And because we're not up on his level yet and we haven't crossed into heaven yet, there's some stuff we'll never understand. But he needs you to understand that even though you can't understand it, I'll step and be in it with you, even though I can't tell you why you had to go through it. 
I sit so high above creation, I can't explain it all to you, but I step in there and walk through it with you. And so why would he do that? And, And here the last circle is the circle of covenant because he makes covenant with his people. And because I'm in covenant with you, I'll step in your situation, even though I'm silent about your situation. I won't tell you why. I won't tell you when. I won't tell you how, but I'll be there with you. And when it looks like I've disconnected myself from you, I'll still be here. Then this is what David said. David said, if I make my bed in hell, he'll find me there. David also said, or the psalm writer also said, when my mother and father forsake me, Then the Lord will take me up because the works of God are so intricate. He can't explain it all, but all he needs you to know, I'm here through it all. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. I don't understand it. It don't make sense. It hurts to me. It actually sucks sometimes. But through it all, I learned I can still trust in him because he created me and he stays beside me and he sits above me. And all of that is called the working of God. And so previously I told you that Jesus said the I'm not going to tell you why this man was blind. Ain't got nothing to do with his parents. Ain't got nothing to do with him. It's got everything to do that the works of God can be seen. All right. As we come to a close, put this up. because Now I got to turn it to make sure you understand the church. So here is the Greek word for church. The Greek word for church is ecclesia. Ecclesia is where we get the word ecclesiastical and ecclesiastes. It actually, it means ex is from out and kaleo, which means call. So it actually means called out ones. There's a scripture that says we were called out of darkness into the marvelous light. And so what happens is that word has, in the etymology of that word, it's come to also mean a symbol and gathering. So basically what it means is the called out ones, they come and they gather together. That's why everybody don't get up to come to church on Sunday morning. Because not everyone hears the call. But when the works of God are happening in your life, there's a call that you have to answer. I don't care what I was doing on Saturday night. I find myself ready to come on Sunday morning and gather with other believers. Because there's a call. There's a draw. Whenever I stay away and whenever I try to get away, something draws me back because there's a calling on my life. There's a calling on my lineage. There's a calling in my DNA. And I can't let this thing go. And I've got to get around some other believers that believe like I believe so I can draw strength. We are part of a church. So even though you're healing yourself, You don't want to stay by yourself. You want to get around other folk who are healing themselves as well. Uh, Quickly, when, think about this, when your parent would call you. See, I'm old enough to to remember when you had to be home when the streetlights came on. Some of y'all don't don't, don't know nothing about that. I'm old enough to remember that. And so, every now and then, Miss Joyce would get out on the porch or in the backyard and she would call Andre. I knew it's time for me to come home. Now there was a lot of noises going around. It could have been sirens going around, but I knew the call of mama. And I knew what would happen if I didn't answer the call. So I had to tell everybody I got to go home. It's a possibility they're playing with my basketball, but the game's over. I got to take my ball, and I got to go home because I heard the call. You you may not have heard the call, but I heard the call because I got relationship with her. So when God has relationship with you and he calls you, you can't help but to come. All right? So having said that, let's bring this to a conclusion. Somebody say conclusion. All right, let's, let's, let's go through a couple points of the conclusion and then we'll, we'll be finished. So, point number one, a healthy church is a place where individual healing is available through Jesus. 
So in other words, we present Jesus in this place that we've been called to. And the hope is people are introduced to this Jesus and take him away from the church with them. And then individual personal healing is made available through the Jesus we have introduced. All right, let's go to point number two of the conclusion. A healthy church is a place where the healthy selves gather. God's work in an individual reflects what's possible for others. So yes, I've taken Jesus outside of the four walls and I've allowed him to work on me personally and individually. But then I come back and gather. And when I gather with other people, some people look at me and they say, you're different from the last time I saw you. And I'm able to tell them this was God working in my life through Jesus. And so when we gather together, like I said, we become a walking billboard to show others that, yes, you may be dealing with a lot of personal stuff, but I know a personal Jesus that will help you personally. And then you come back collectively and you tell other people what God has done for you. Point number three in the conclusion. A healthy church is a place where healing thyself is a group effort. And we assist each other in finding healing. Yes, I want to have a healthy self. And yes, outside of the church, I want to heal myself. But there's some stuff that's too heavy for me. The Bible says, bear ye one another burden. So there's some stuff I can't carry myself. So what I do, I carry it to the house of God. And guess what? Healing thyself becomes a group effort. I may be able to help you in this, and you may be able to help me in that. But either way, we're going to be healing ourselves, and we're going to be doing it together. Sometimes you got to cry with another brother, another sister. Sometimes you got to laugh with another brother, another sister. Sometimes you just got to sit with another brother, another sister. You ain't talking. You ain't saying no scriptures. You're just sitting together and allowing the presence, the ministry of presence just to be with each other. But it's a group effort. Because if we could have done it all by ourselves, we would need the local church. But the local church, we, we need everything. And the Bible says this with every joint supplying. All right. Number four, a healthy church is a place where we celebrate God's individual healing and we broadcast it to the outside world. Let me use him for example. Brother Benny, did you hear what happened to Brother Benny? Oh, God's been moving in his life. In other words, he comes in and then we celebrate it. We celebrate him, but then we tell it from the outside world. If somebody knows him, have you heard about what's happening in his life? God is moving in his life and we celebrate it collectively, but we tell the world. And here's the problem with the church sometimes. We only tell the bad stuff out there. Ooh, do you hear Deacon so-and-so was sleeping with so-and-so's wife? Yeah, that's bad, but why is that the only thing that gets blabbed throughout the outside world? The outside world know everything about the church that's bad, but don't know nothing about the good stuff that's going on. Don't know nothing about what God is doing. Let me tell, uh, uh, what did they say? Uh, read all about it. Uh, back in the day when they was throwing the newspaper, read all about what God is doing. I want to tell somebody, guess what? So-and-so got delivered the other day and God's doing great things in their life. So-and-so found a job. So-and-so got married. So-and-so ripped up the divorce papers. I'm so glad. That's what we want to do. We want to communicate the health to the world. And then what happens is people realize, oh, this is a hospital. So guess what? People start coming to the hospital because people come to the hospital to be what? To be healed. And when they find out there's healing in the hospital, they can come in. So guess what? You don't have to beg people to come. Once healing happens and you start telling people about the healing, folks will start running in because they want to be a part of what's going on. So a healthy church has a healthy self. Put that up. That's how we're going to close. Come on, stand to your feet. Somebody say, say healthy self. We are going to have a healthy self by healing thyself and doing it through the working of Jesus and broadcasting that to the outside world. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father God, we thank you and we praise you.
We magnify you and we love you. We appreciate you for everything that you're doing in our lives. And God, we know that you are yet healing us from the inside out, both in the building as well as when we're outside. But God, when you complete it, when you finish it, we want to tell people it was you that done it. And hopefully that'll draw people to your bleeding side. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week.